save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Save big on Menards' great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We got to get these doggies. They're out of the pan. We got to get them back in the in pan. In the pan, in sure. In the pan. We got to get them over to the last podcast network, Country Jamboree, June 18th, 2022, at the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. Come and check out all the shows that you love on the last podcast network. We'll be in front of you in our meat space, and we cannot wait to entertain you and have a great time. But for those of you that can't come in person, Go to momenthouse.com slash LPOTL and buy your live stream ticket. Yes, yes, you too can watch us perform our jangly country jamboree from the nudity of your couch. Absolutely fantastic. I hope you guys enjoy the show. Thank you so much for your support. And we are so excited to be at the OG Grand Old Opry. Hail yourselves. Welcome back to Fraudsters. I'm Cena Gazdavi at Cena Now on all social media. Justin Williams is here, of course, in our virtual studio. Justin underscore Williams underscore comedy. Check him out on Instagram. Send him an email and he'll come to your house. He's also on Facebook. Amazing to have you with us again. Make sure to hit us up on our Discord. Welcome back. Justin, wow. We did two Fraudsters for the Race Hustler series. And they were they were a lot. I mean, I we did like five hours on Seagal. We did a couple, like you know, several hours on Sean King. What's the reaction been for you? Uh, it's been one of those things where I've gotten an uptick of uh, like messages from people that I didn't know listened to the show. <laughs> just random texts, like, "Hey man, Steven Seagal is crazy as hell, man." <laughs> yeah. Or just like text is just like you know, it's just like. Oh, some some very interesting texts where it's just like, as a white person, it was very important for me to hear about Sean King and what he's doing. I want to thank you for shedding light. And I'm like, just, yeah, just don't give him any money. <laughs> honestly, yeah, honestly, I got, I got, I think like six text messages from white people about that very specific thing. They were like, holy shit, I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way affinity fraud works, though, you know? Yeah, I mean... I mean it's, it's not it's not your fault. It's like, it's, it's he's aimed at you. He's refined yeah. his technique. I didn't even, you know, not to go to the side, I didn't even mention, like, you could tell how his core audience has shifted. Uh, the fact that he's, like, not a black preacher anymore. Yeah. Did you notice yeah. that? It's yeah. a red, red flag. So, Justin, I guess this week we're going to go back to a little bit more of, you know, what we're used to, which is just fraudulent capitalism. As you know... Technology has been our greatest resource, the grand democratizer, <laughs> giving people the power to participate in, in in the public data sets. You know, when Obama came to office, he started this thing called the Office of Open Government. This was a new office and that pledged to declassify data sets so that people can leverage the power of that data to create better systems and businesses and, and spark all of this stuff. I actually was an intern at the White House virtually. I would go down every now and then during that time, during that first few years when he was in office. And it's crazy. It, the idea of data is so we're living in the information age, you know, and, and at the Office of Science and Technology Policy, they had scientists, policymakers, citizens. People could participate in a way they really couldn't before. And, you know, I was interned during law school there. And later in my career, when I was like freelance producing, I actually met my wife at one of these think tanks. Their whole goal was to use science and technology to improve the way government works. And this is like, you know, you're hoping that this is like a great thing for society. 
And they called this stuff when, when you had citizens participating in big data or big science projects. They called it citizen science. And it seemed like this great thing people could use transit data to build apps, climate data in the cities. They would put sensors around and they could make better environmental policy by measuring the smog that was happening. Cities could also hire developers to leverage the data and make apps like the 311 app. And there was a big push to actually digitize government, which is way late, but we needed to do it. You know, there was this one guy when I was at this think tank, we interviewed him. His, His name was Leif Persefeld. And he used public data that mapped the New York City sewer system. There is a map of the New York City sewer system. And it wasn't like the Ninja Turtles that made it. (laughs) But he he leveraged this map that showed the common sewage overflows. Meaning when New Yorkers flush their toilets too much, the overflow would go into like the Gowanus Canal or make its way into the Brooklyn Harbor. This is fucking gross. I'm talking like everyone flushes at the same time the sewage literally floods out to the sea. And he designed this small pelican case with sensors that would send a signal back to like a home base and it would let you know when like the sewage levels were getting too close to overflowing. And here, let me just, just let me show you a picture of this. Justin, can you describe what you're looking at? Here, um, this is the briefcase from Die Hard with a Vengeance. Uh, <laughs> yeah. this, this, if you tried to take this thing to the airport, you would uh, you would get shaken down so hard. This is a bomb, man. It's, it is batteries with a little circuit board, like D batteries, and connected to like an old school candy phone. The it's the fact that it's not a bomb is is you'd have to really convince someone that this wasn't a bomb. So this is actually just a sensor that sends a signal back, and this smart bomb he sent it back to like a connected home device and would give you a notification at home when the sewage was getting too high. So if you were in the bathroom, the light could turn a different color, letting you know that you shouldn't flush, that it's not a good time to flush. That's citizen science, something crazy that can benefit a lot of people, but you kind of take it upon yourself to participate in it. And it could be viewed as an organized terror plot, but in a very fun way, though. Yeah, I like the alternate reality of this, of someone that sees that the flashlight is red and they're just Instagramming live with their finger near the button. And they're like, PayPal me $100 now or Gowanus gets it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> So, but like everything else, there's like, you know, where there's innovation, there's money. And when there's money, there's capitalism. And when there's capitalism, there is fraud. Hey, somebody should do a podcast about this. I think so. I think, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> the currency for today's economy is information. Hell, we even call this the information age. Look, Facebook and Google, they run entire empires just on having giant server farms of data. I actually submitted to a DNA bank because I was too stupid to realize I was handing over my data to a strange company. But my results, though, were good. I want to show you my results and then see what you think. Let's see here. All right. So I turned out to be 86% Turkey, Iran, Kurdish Iranian, though, and Kurdistan Iranian. So there was, there was a weird kind of mix there. Oh, Iraq, Kurdistan, Iran, Kurdistan, and Turkey. So I'm basically, from this, more Kurdish than anything. And I'm also 11.4% Southeast Asian, 1.7% North African. So you know what that means. It doesn't mean that, does it? No. No, You can't be a Berber and then just be like, what you're like, what was it? 1.7% probably Berber or something like that. Or like, or like Arab. And then just be like, I'm black. (laughs) I'm African American. Hey, a guy could try, right? (laughs) And so I've also uh, 0.8% indigenous Amazonian, which I think is because I've done ayahuasca a bunch. And so I think it's like, 
permeated my DNA at this point. I want to get into trade routes and stuff like that. Cause I mean, yeah, it's just like somebody had a wild trip, like, yeah. you know, a few hundred years ago or something where somebody went and found an Amazonian person and got it in the bloodline somehow. I, yeah. I want to know how that works out. It's wild. But that company made a lot of money because a bunch of people wanted to know their DNA. So they just submitted to it and now they can sell that data to whomever advertiser that, that they want to. So, this brings us to today's episode, Justin. Jessica Richmond and Zachary Apt, citizen scientists that founded a startup that at its peak was valued at $600 million, all built on shit. Wait, wait, what do you mean? Like, what was it? It was shit. No, but like, like, what was it? Like, what was it built on? No, it was literally... This is literal shit. It's poop. We're doing a whole episode on poop. <laughs> well, I hope it's not too corny. Oh, no. no. <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, stay tuned, people, for the next, like, 50-ish minutes. You're going to hear a lot of this. <laughs> Ubiome started off as a citizen science project in 2013, and they funded their pilot project through Indiegogo, the always honest Indiegogo. <laughs> then winning Y Combinator to get $100,000 and investments from Andreessen Horowitz. Then they had multiple rounds of VC funding, getting nearly like $100 million in funding with a valuation, again, of $600 million. That would all come crashing down in 2019 when the FBI raided their offices for improper billing practices and now the DOJ has an indictment out as these two spent several years completely defrauding patients, doctors they worked with, insurance companies, and their investors. Wait, so like, was like the poop fake or something? No, it's a funny It's funny you say that. It's very funny you say that because the poop is very real. But it seems like <laughs> everything else was the problem. The poop was real. <laughs> but let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll dive into you buy them. The poop startup that could poop <laughs> so stupid So, Justin, I guess I'm wondering what's going on inside my gut. I know these microbiomes exist, but I know very little about it. I, you know, it's like other than the fact that I've started putting yogurt in my diet more and eating less bread, my tummy feels better. Have you interacted with this stuff? Do you know about any of this stuff? No, yeah. For all, I was uh, drinking kombucha because they claimed oh. it helps with gut health and possibly uh, can contribute to weight loss. Yeah, I don't. That kombucha tastes awful. <laughs> you got to let me know if you're with me on this camp. I feel like this is a very polarizing thing to say, but I think kombucha tastes disgusting. I don't care how healthy it is. There's got to be other ways to get healthy with this gut health stuff. But did you feel better? Uh, I don't know. It felt like a placebo effect. Like apple cider vinegar is another thing that also makes that claim about gut health. What the f- that sounds awful. What, are you yeah. going to mainline it or you got to drink it? You just drink it. But what's funny is that uh, I like all these doctors are like, no, like you really just need to like exercise and eat better. And I'm like, <laughs> well, what fun is that? <laughs> I need to just sit perfectly still. <laughs> so for folks that don't know much about the microbiome, Mary Beth Albright from the Washington Post actually did a couple of videos on it that are pretty good. Here's a quick clip where she describes just like a little primer on microbiomes. Research shows that the gut microbiome affects a lot of how we experience our daily lives. Emotions, weight, brain functioning, even our food choices. But how does it work? The gut microbiome is a collection of trillions of microbes, or microscopic organisms. These microbes, like bacteria and fungi, live in your digestive tract, mostly in your large intestine. Digestion is just your body taking raw materials, food, and turning it into something it can use. Nice crust. Digestion makes glucose, which runs your brain and muscles. 
It also enables your body's messengers like hormones and neurotransmitters. So I guess this kind of explains being hangry or lethargic when I have a big lunch, I guess. I don't know. When you're eating like shit, you just feel like shit. Just, does that make sense to you? Yeah, man. I drink liquor, you know, and I stay out real late sometimes on the weekends. And literally every time I've eaten White Castle, it's been a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, when you go to White Castle, do you get the burger or do you go for like the chicken? I get the burgers, but then White Castle always has some kind of like exotic item that I always get. Like sometimes I'll get the clams oh. or if Jesus. I have like a like a gator slider, I go, yeah, I want some gator oh. meat from White Castle. Like oh. this bulletproof White Castle in North <laughs> Newark. <laughs> there was a White Castle when I went to Fordham right down the street. It was the, like one of the most popular White Castles in the country. Oh, yeah. It was just incredible. It was so much. So many of those... Crave cases. Yeah. <laughs> I always felt awful as well. So I guess, you know, you're upsetting the microbiomes when we do that, right? And the research in general is new to the party, so we don't know much. I mean, I think it's like the brain and the gut are the two areas that we know the least about, and they control our moods, right? It's like all those January 6th guys must have had a bad breakfast, maybe? Well, it's like they say, a kombucha a day keeps an insurrection against democracy away. (laughs) Do they say that? I believe that is a saying. (laughs) Mary Beth goes on to talk about some of the companies that are sending kits out for you to test your microbiome. Here, she's describing how she sent a test and is reviewing the data on her (laughs) doo-doos. This report is about your gut microbiome at the moment of testing. Your gut microbiome changes slightly every day because of the food you eat. But the experts I spoke with said that testing your microbiome should be done in the spirit of discovery. There are tons of limitations on what we can do with the information. Not looking for a pill that if you take it, everything will be better, or a food that if you eliminate it from your diet, everything will be fine. And remember, dietary supplements are not reviewed and approved by the FDA based on their safety and effectiveness. But researchers do have enough information to give general recommendations on gut microbiome health to everyone, whether you have yours tested or not. All right. I mean, some real Oreo shade there, which I have some feelings about. (laughs) Telling you not to eat Oreos. I think it's important to note, though, too, that some of these companies try to sell supplements once you get your results. It'd be like if I got my DNA results and they were like, would you like to go to these Kurdish restaurants in, in your neighborhood? <laughs> I mean, this <laughs> this whole biohacking thing can easily spiral out of control. But I think we live in an age where people will want to have more control, right, over their bodies and how they respond to particular lifestyles, right? If you're like an athlete or something, you really want to kind of understand how your body works so that you can make the most out of it. No, Yeah, I mean... This is just really like segmented marketing, like going to the ultimate level, right? Like the cellular level. I mean, it's like the movie Gattaca, but with spam. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, gross. <laughs> so, okay. So for you, Biome, let's take a look at their Indiegogo video and see how they actually started. Hi, I'm Zach. I'm Will. And I'm Jessica. I'm going to tell you about an exciting new project that we're working on, You Biome. Scientists recently discovered a new organ in the human body. Incredibly, this organ is made of human cells. It's microbes! It's called the microbiome, as the ecosystem of microbes in and on your body. From your feet to your gut to your brain, the microbiome is important to the functioning of the human body. With your sample, our project will provide you with information, comparisons with others, how to understand your data, and empowering research about microbiomes like yours. There are so many of these microbes in our bodies that microbial genes outnumber human genes 360 to 1. Researchers have linked diabetes, obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and other conditions to the microbiome. You have a different microbiome in your mouth, your sinuses, your ears, your gut, your genitals, and on your skin. Certain species help digest food, some synthesize vitamins, others guide the immune system. Just as the health of the tropical rainforest depends upon biodiversity, our own health benefits from microbial ecosystems that perform vital functions for our health. That's where Ubiome comes in. We're a group of young scientists that want to use citizen science to understand more about the human microbiome. Citizen science is a way of crowdsourcing science. There are two main reasons we we want to do citizen science. First, right now, microbiome research is stuck in the lab. We want to bring it to you. Second, 
Working together, we can create the biggest database of microbiomes in the world. The more people join the UBiome community, the more statistical power we'll have to investigate these connections. With 500 people, we can learn about diabetes and hypertension. With 2,500, we can also learn about breast cancer. With 10,000 people, we have heart disease and the bowel cancers. The more samples we get, the more we can learn to help the advance of science. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that right? That, is that not such a scam? If you just give us more poo poo, yeah. we can cure cancer. If I give you, if I give you my poop, you will find out a lot about maybe collard greens. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, if I gave you my poop, like why you like curly fries? Well, that's strange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is going on? All right, so how did Jessica Richmond and Zachary App get into all of this? You know, they started off by using the always above board and never scammy Indiegogo, of course, raised $350,000, which, you know, is a lot, but it's also not a lot when, you, when you're talking about a, like a startup. But it was enough for them to make a little pilot program. They built a kit, and they got to send it to people and get their fecal samples. So the idea is to get more people into the data set to compare with other people. And now then you can monetize that data because with more data, you get more learnings, blah, 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 blah. Even from the outset, though, there were problems. So you may be wondering, you know, like when there's a new scientific breakthrough, why doesn't everyone just go ask the public to participate in it, right? Why aren't we always just doing this? Well, because the scientific method needs to be scientific. So people <laughs> were wondering why UBiom didn't go through an institutional review board to get permission to do this. Yes, and peer review is actually a lot like poop. It <laughs> very much needs to go through the proper channels uh, <laughs> because when it doesn't, man, it can produce some really ugly results. I just, this is walking into every single one of these, man. I just don't, I can't. In an earlier article from the Wall Street Journal, they documented an argument that then-co-founder Jessica Richmond was having with critics years before she started Ubiome, where Richmond was basically saying that the regulation involved with approving human research was too difficult and too old. Ubiome was the new way to do science on humans. Citizen science, guys. Oh, no. Yeah, it's not just are genes floating around in there, but microorganisms that impact what's happening in our lives. So this is this is all about you. You, all, all of you out there, you get to make the decision. Think about it. With all the do-your-own-research stands out there, the people that want to learn on their own, and they may come from a certain amount of distrust, and that's why they want to learn on their own. But it's also fun, and it's fun to learn, just like the DNA thing I did, right? It's It's... It is pretty harmless. Uh, yeah, and actually, PBS will be launching a new show where Harvard University professor Henry Louis Gates uh, just looks at celebrity poops and tells them the long stories about their genealogy. <laughs> like, he puts the poop on a table, and he goes, uh, he goes, Maya Angelou, you... <laughs> you... Tom Cruise. <laughs> you had chicken and waffles. Tom Cruise, your descendants are aliens. <laughs> <laughs> so here's this company selling two products, all right? Smart Gut and Smart Jane. Yes, Smart Jane what? was for a vaginal swab. It wasn't just poo-poo. <laughs> <laughs> you could put a swab in your vagina and figure out, I guess what microbiomes are in there. Yeah. I'm going to be just a dumb guy here and say, I thought it was just magic inside of a woman's vagina. And yeah. So <laughs> yeah. These kits were, <laughs> were so awful. These kits were sent out to people that want to learn about themselves, of course, right? And they were about $89 a pop. But it costs money to process these tests. Now, you buy them really wasn't, you know, making a lot of money here. And I'd love to be able to get into real detail on who these people were to kind of give you a sense of how they got to this point. But the information is super light. But I'll give you a little bit here, the little that we do have. Jessica Richmond, she's a former entrepreneur. She sold her first company after high school. 
then attended Stanford University where she got a degree in economics, science, technology, and society. That's so many in one degree. Yeah. So this is a mix of like engineering and computer science. She's worked at Google, McKinsey, and our fraud fathers at Lehman Brothers. On top of all of the... McKinsey's got some greatest hits as well. (laughs) Yeah, McKinsey is like the man in the shadows. On top of all that, she went to Oxford University as a Clarendon Scholar. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Which is a four-year honors program fully funded by Oxford where they train you to be a leader in a city. So they basically train you in the dark arts of reality distortion fields. And she was even given an award from Goop, the Innovator Award. Like Goop is the thing. That's the stuff that that celebrity lady makes, right? Yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Netflix has a whole series on Goop. We should probably do Goop on the show. There's just too many. We may have to do a whole series on the variety of Goops that are fraud. I like it because she like went to uh, like Stanford and all this stuff and went to Oxford and was trained for leadership. And then she's just asking people for poop. It's like she should have just went to the seven train. (laughs) Saved a lot of money in student loans. But imagine that this is also like where you kind of get a higher sense of purpose. Yeah. and, And you kind of get this confidence that you can do anything. And of course, she's, she's got this TED Talk, so let's listen to a, a clip from her TED Talk. Can a citizen scientist win a Nobel Prize? No, really, this is a real question. Can a citizen scientist win a Nobel Prize? A sea change is happening in science. The technological forces that are globalizing and connecting and integrating all of us are increasingly bringing us together to do science. And now we can start to question, why is science just for the few? Why does the world only have a few million scientists when so many have the potential to think and create and add to scientific knowledge? Why does hot sauce burn my ass? (laughs) So what will the world be like when everyone, you and me, and all the people not fortunate enough to be in this room right uh, now, contribute to the great enterprise of science and make discoveries that can change the world? Science has brought us so much, life-saving drugs, advanced surgeries, cures for so many diseases. And what would happen if more of us were scientists? What if we opened up science to everyone? So let's question some of our assumptions about who can be a scientist and where and how. And let's begin to open up the world of science. Oh, let's open it up. No the world of science. Why? We did, that, we did that during COVID and a lot of, <laughs> of my f- fellow citizen scientists came up with some very interesting research on the vaccine that they found on YouTube. So yeah. I'm going to say we're going to close science back down, give it back to the scientists. Again, it's like there's something that seems innocuous and nice and good and it kind of is, but then it spirals, man. I just I just It's like it is like BitConnect. It's like a lot of these other things, right? It's telling you that you the consumer are going to be part of this like glo- like transformative global project right yeah. so it kind of empowers the audience it's like oh, it's like i don't know anything but i guess i'm a scientist now according to jessica so i'm going to poop in this uh, tupperware and send it in the mail <laughs> <laughs> all right we got one more clip from her ted talk so what if we lived in a world where only professional athletes could play sports this is a really weird image i picked up off the internet and i couldn't not show oh. it to you <laughs> Mike Tyson kissing the So there'd be no softball, there'd be no little league, there'd be no kids soccer, there'd be no amateur gymnastics. And from the time you were a child, your parents would say, someday when you grow up, if you're very good and you get good grades and you eat your vegetables and do everything you're supposed to, you'll be allowed to run and jump and play. Well, that'd be ridiculous, right? Like we can all just do amateur sports. We can move our bodies any ways we want to. What? So stupid. You can do amateur science. It's called making that little rocket and then or or making a volcano and pouring baking soda and and vinegar together and then like foams up and stuff like that. And it's uh, and also according to the way the market speaks, it's like, what if only professional athletes are able to play sports? It's like, well, that's what the market does support. It's like, yeah, nobody wants to see your kid play baseball. Do you want to see your kid play baseball? Nobody else on earth wants to see that. Yeah, there's always huge TV media buys for middle school basketball games, you know? (laughs) And even by the time you get to the Little League World Series, it's like one of those guys is a 47-year-old Dominican that will pitch for the Yankees in the next year. (laughs) All right, so that's Jessica. 
Zachary App was trained in both theoretical high-energy physics and biophysics. Jesus. Dr. App, because he has a PhD, got his PhD from the University of California, San Francisco. And he was also a previous founder of a synthetic biology company based on his invention of a novel microfluidic device that was funded by the U.S. Department of Energy. Okay, I had to look this up. A microfluidic device is an instrument that uses very small amounts of fluid on a microchip to do certain laboratory tests. A microfluidic device may use body fluids or solutions containing cells or cell parts to diagnose diseases. Some very Theranosy vibes there. So send a sample to the newest venture that they're going to launch, Cumbox. <laughs> the latest in microfluidic technology, Cumbox. <laughs> Not only are they both very educated, but they both had early success, right? So, I mean, it's insane that that this is, we created them, right? The market kind of creates people like this. But education doesn't matter in this world when you know how to raise money. Because if the market wants you, you will get money. They went through Y Combinator, which is like an accelerator for companies to pitch venture capitalists. They did that and did well and got $100,000. The uh, doo-doo diligence at Y Combinator is pretty minimal because while 100000 may sound big as far as investments go, it's actually not that big. So they don't really do a lot of doo-doo-doo diligence. <laughs> but it's a, it's a signal to the market, though, when you win Y Combinator that others should invest. And Andreessen Horowitz invested, I think, a, a few million. And this was like their seed funding round. And Andreessen Horowitz is actually a creditor on this big list. And I, I wish I got the list here. But I, I went on and I found, because they eventually filed for bankruptcy, and you can get a list of all of their creditors. And, you know, it was like a 35-page list with three columns on each page of all the people they owed money to. And you get fines from states and stuff like that. But listen, they were huge. Their initial round of investment at Y Combinator, that's their seed funding round. That included other VCs. This guy, David McClure, and 500 Startups helped with the seed funding. David McClure would actually later resign from that firm in shame as he got outed in a New York Times article where multiple women came forward about how much of a creep he was. So interesting that he was a seed funder in a female-led startup there. Mm. Apparently, he was sending raunchy texts and propositioning women that were trying to get a job with him. I guess that's, you know, that's cancel culture doing doing its job there. 2014, they did a Series A funding for $4.5 million. So the seed funding is like, let's get your idea off the ground, right? The Series A funding is like, okay, now that you've got a little bit going, let's see some strategy. Now, this is still hard to do. Only 10% of seed-funded startups get to a Series A. So they went from a Series A, they even got into a Series B, where they raised $17 million from Slow Ventures, Tuesday Capital, and 8VC. They got a Series C round, which is, again, crazy, in September of 2018, and raised $83 million at a $600 million evaluation. Now, we found this on a PitchBook data website that kind of brings data from a lot of places. They tend to be accurate, but I just want to give that little bit of a disclaimer. Who knows if you buy them was like juicing those numbers or whatever. Now, mind you, as you go through these different series of funding, it's supposed to mean that you're getting more established as a business. But these guys were not, you know, and they were getting funding. So they were like, they were making money. But how were they making money? What was so wrong? What could possibly have led the DOJ to Give them an indictment for all of this fraud. Well, we'll find out after this break. Ashley's Memorial Day sale is going on now. Shop our biggest selection of hot buys, cool deals, or shop limited time savings on new summer spaces. Plus, get 72-month special financing on select in-store mattress purchases made with your Ashley Advantage Synchrony credit card between May 14th and June 3rd. Whether you're redecorating indoors or rethinking your outdoor space, save big on this season's trending styles. Only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. No minimum purchase required. See store for details. 
They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Smell like poo poo poo. Yeah, our roses really smell like poo poo poo. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> I'm so, so happy I did that. Oh my God. So, if you are going through funding round after funding round, you have to show them that you got money coming in. And they were, for a while, only doing this direct to consumer $89 thing. And so, how are they able to get money? Well, if the regular folks were just paying $89, they could go the clinical route and get the insurance company to pay them nearly $3,000. So they just had all this money rolling in. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> like any good Ponzi-esque scam, you got to keep the money coming in. So when they weren't getting enough people from these consumer tests, they had to think of some ways to get more tests ordered. So even at that $3,000 a test pop, they still, you know, these, these VCs, they're hungry. They want to see the money. So they did a few things. Whenever they would add a new microbiome to their search, they would give them the option to upgrade. So this kind of happened on my DNA test. When I went to look at it just recently, it said I was more Kurdish than anything. It actually before said I was more around Persian than anything. So that was an interesting shift. I guess more people have come in and that data changed. So what you buy them would do, they would reach out to customers that had already gotten the test processed and said, hey, we've got this new microbiome that we can test for. Want to upgrade and get a retest? Citizen science, bro. <laughs> and of course, citizen science, let's do it. Upgrade, literally one click. You clicked once and it triggered the retest. And you get new results delivered to your inbox. But here's what's happening on the back end. On the back end. Stop no, I can't. it. I have to stop. I'm not. I, that happened naturally. Yeah, what anyway, a shitty joke. On. Come on. <laughs> moving on. We've all, been, we've all been through this. You go to the doctor, right? They order some blood work. You leave. You make a copay or some sort of coinsurance, right? You got a share in the cost, right? So when you get a test done, the insurance sees, okay, Justin went to the doctor. He got a checkup. They ordered some blood work. Good. Insurance company will pay out. There's a copay. The cost is shared. Boom. You paid the copay. But what happens when there's another test ordered without a doctor's visit? When they just order it for no reason? See, when a doctor orders a test, there's a medical reason for it. So another microbiome on your results page isn't a medical reason for you to get another fucking test done. <laughs> but Ubiome was processing these tests anyway. So how do they do that, right? It's pretty amazing. Like the amount of effort they put into just making this a fraud instead of actually just trying to make a real business is, is pretty incredible. Well, we got to go back to the old big store scam from BitConnect. This time, everyone's in on making the scam happen. See, Jessica and Zachary are the geniuses that they are and they were able to build a portal for doctors. Now, these weren't just doctors that you go see in person. They engaged an agency that was a network of doctors. So these doctors would only see what they needed to see to make an approval on the test being ordered. So it's like an online doctor. You go on a website. They talk to you maybe for a minute. Patients would use this portal, and they would 
check boxes of pre-populated symptoms that they were having and doctors could approve the tests. Okay, so the doctors were presented with patients, the symptoms, and then on the upgrades or the retest, you buy them would just alter things a little bit to make it seem like a new test needed to be done. But rarely were there actual conversations between a patient and a doctor to see if they had symptoms or a need for something. Yeah, and they also hand-selected doctors that uh, over-prescribed three cups of spicy lentils <laughs> as a treatment for their patients so they could always get new samples. I hate lentils. You eat lentils? I, I do when I'm lentils. trying to improve my gut health. I always feel that it improves my biome. Yeah. Mm. This is for you, biomes. Now, mind you, you biome wasn't filled with fraudsters. They had people literally saying to Jackery, oh, Jackery, I kind of made them a little bit of like a fun name there. Yeah. They, they had people within the company saying to them, hey, you shouldn't do this. You will get in trouble. If you're, you're literally doctoring things, you're literally breaking the law right now. Medical advisors at you biome were like, please don't do this. Those people obviously left eventually. Why did they leave? Because they don't have a possibility mindset their brains were all blocked up, and you biome was a flowing smooth. Mm. Oh, wait. I almost, I almost forgot, though. Even if a test is ordered, there needs to be a copay or coinsurance, right? Back to that. Why would someone pay for another test if, if it was just one more biome? I don't care. So, again, just to learn about a few more biomes, I don't want to pay another copay. You biome solved for this by actually covering all the costs for people, any copay. So they didn't even pay the first copay or coinsurance. You biome just took care of it. At first, they called this a pilot program to cover the costs. And that pilot program lasted two years, <laughs> which is like very long. <laughs> sure, lots of pilots don't last that long, but then they made it into a patient assistance program. How kind but they never actually asked anyone for financials to see if they needed financial assistance. All they did was just slide a newspaper under a stall, and that's all that they <laughs> did. <laughs> so they also incentivized customers to return their samples. So like, let's say they ordered a test or whatever, and <laughs> they, wanted, <laughs> they wanted people to send them back. Like, please send it back so we can process and, and do this test. Yo, they would send them a gift card if they returned their sample. To TGI Fridays or Chili's. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I don't know where they where they got the same. It's all part of big sample industrial complex. They yeah. you make a sample, then they give you a gift card to Chili's for unlimited fajita night. Oh my god. <laughs> then you give the sample back. Jesus. So all the while they're going through funding round after funding round. Because they were able to cook their numbers by doing this over and over again. All right, so how did this all unravel? Well, a shot of tequila. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Real World AIP. I'm Stacy, and today I'm going to do a little review of a product called Ubiome Smart Gut. What the heck is that? It's a microbiome testing service. Um, they actually use DNA sequencing to figure out what kind of critters are living in your gut and how they might be contributing to health problems. That's the simplified explanation. <laughs> There's a couple of these services out there. I know Dr. Mark Hyman uses Viome. That was kind of pricey. The Ubiome Smart Gut, I had my um, health insurance actually covered and I didn't even have to have my doctor prescribe it. They have like their own doctors there that'll kind of work to read your symptoms and prescribe it for you. They have this thing worked out. Now, there's some really negative online reviews where people are like, oh, they charged my insurance so much, it took forever. Um, but then there were some good reviews and I'm like, hey, I don't know, the insurance covered it. I'm, I'm very curious to see what's going on in my microbiome. They can oh, sounds legit. Oh, insurance covered it. I'm curious. Let's do it. <laughs> they ended up doing $300 million of claims. To the insurance company. But they only got $35 million back in reimbursement. Gotta love America, where insurance companies will deny your life-saving cancer treatment to save a buck. And, uh, like, you think they're gonna, like, really pay for, like, all of these fake, like, doo-doo tests? <laughs> yeah. Like, they start getting wise after, like, $35 million. They're like, wait a minute. What's all this poo-poo going out for? <laughs> yeah. So they, they got suspicious. The insurers flagged it because... 
all these tests were coming in and they wanted to just see like, hey, what is going on? Where are all these notes like from the doctors? Can we actually see the conversations that are happening between, you know, the doctor and the patient a little bit? You buy one's like, absolutely, no problem. We got these notes. Close tab, open new tab, open Google Docs, new document entitled Doctor's Notes. (laughs) (laughs) They just wrote the notes themselves. They took their network of doctors that they had online. They took their names, took their credentials, put them in these notes, and faked all the charts. They faked the charts. That is, uh, what? I didn't even know you could do that. It was very suspicious when Dr. Hyman said that uh, the biomes in one of his subjects was A-OK and a little bit tangy. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Come on, like Dr. Hyman. That's not professional. Come on, Justin. It was a giveaway. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, you know, sometimes you'll get like a statement of benefits, right, from your insurance company. And it'll say like, this is not a bill. And you get that like sigh of relief and the rage kind of comes down a little bit. Well, in this case, some of the patients would see that their insurance company had been billed again, even though they didn't provide another sample. So some of the patients were like, what the fuck is going on? Because like if you see these things pop up a bunch on your insurance like statement of benefits – that's worrisome. The insurance company can come after you. They'd be like, whoa, you got all these poop tests done. You know, I, I would be very intimidated by that. Yeah, and nothing's more frustrating than being accused of pooping when you didn't poop. Exactly. That's not my poop. No, you go, I didn't do that in there. You know, when people <laughs> look at you when you come in out of a bathroom or something, and you go, I didn't do that. I just peed at the urinal, exactly. man. Inside joke here. If you remember the great poop scandal of the round table, who pooped in Holden's bathtub? <laughs> in May 2018, <laughs> Ubiome employee Damian Moskowitz heard an interview with the journalist who exposed the Theranos scandal and connected it with what was happening at Ubiome. So he would go on to actually file a lengthy complaint with the California Medical Board and reach out to the media. It's pretty interesting now. Now they've been flagged. Uh, We have one more clip from this nice YouTuber that I thought was pretty on point here. You don't really need to have this testing done. You're better off getting like a comprehensive stool exam and... um saving your insurance $3,000. Yeah, $3,000 they charged my insurance. Look, look, I'm going to let you look at this. No, not the poop. $3,000. Now, this is not... Here's the thing, okay? This is not a bill, and it says it right here. This is not a bill. This is just information about my processed claims. My insurance isn't going to cover this, but I won't be held responsible. Basically, what they're doing is they're trying to see if your insurance will pay three grand. And if they don't um, contest it and they pay it, it would be for them. If they do, then they're out that amount of money. It does seem a little unethical, though. So in the end, what I recommend depends on how much you like your insurance company, I guess. <laughs> I don't, don't highly recommend it. I'm very curious and I like to do stuff like that, but it's not going to be a big piece of your puzzle. Very curious, likes to do something like that. That's what we're talking about. That's, those are the kind of folks that are doing something like this. And even she, she's like a, an avid person that does this kind of stuff. And she's like, this is kind of scammy. This is pretty scammy. Yeah. So things started to really unravel here. April 2019, the runs at you buy them finally stopped. <laughs> FBI raids the offices because of the billing practices, and Richmond and Apt go on leave as co-executives and then step down from the board. Then in September 2019, like this is like six months later, they file for bankruptcy, and all their intellectual property gets sold off. Yeah, it was really, at the time, I remember reading about it in the news that this was really a brown eye. Oh, my God. Get out of here. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. We're almost done. <laughs> March 2021, <laughs> feds had a 33-page indictment. You're, you love that. It really is. <laughs> it never recovered. So this 33-page indictment had a couple things in it. Let me. I'll just read a few of them. They filed fraudulent reimbursement claims with insurance for lab tests that weren't validated or necessary. They just retested old samples. When the insurance companies asked, you buy them sent fake chart notes from doctors to justify it. And this is some shit right here, right? One of those things where you'd be like, 
people won't actually make up doctor's notes, right? That, I think, is, like, the craziest. I mean, kids make up doctor's notes all the time for school, you know? I mean, I guess point taken. One thing to note, though, is that from the indictment is that she lied about her age to a reporter. She said she was under 40. So, I mean, normally I wouldn't care about something like this, but what does that tell you? Does it matter that she lied about her age? Well, if you're trying to convince people that you're a cutting-edge innovator and you're changing the way scientific research should be done at scale, then saying that you're a young person on the forefront of it does make a difference when you're going out and trying to get that money. And you know what Jessica did? She took that article when it came out and linked to it all over the place. This is I'm 38. People don't believe me. Can you believe that? People don't believe me. I was playing tennis the other day. Guy asked me if I was 45. Well, you know, I mean, it's in her defense that, you know, the difference between 40 and 38 is just the number two. <laughs> so we're canceling the show. <laughs> I want to die. This is so off. This stinks. <laughs> Other signals like helping out legit scientists with a research paper, but only giving a small amount of input so that their name would get on a paper. So if like they did this happen in academia where like someone like they they give like one quote or they do one small thing and then they're on the paper as like a co-author and stuff. Well yeah, so there are absolutely senior academics that become publishing mills because they have grad students that put together edited volumes, you know, they collect like conference proceedings and then publish them or they even like sort of publish like slightly altered versions of previous works. And then there are also some people in academia that really enjoy looking at people's poops. <laughs> <laughs> so you know where they are now zachary and jessica no by the way they're married they're a couple which you know is fine they went on the lamb they're in germany hiding out because zachary is a german citizen so the doj can't even arrest these guys i actually saw an adult film from germany where a lot of people were sharing their biomes oh my god okay fraudsters <laughs> is a production of Zero Cool Media, the last podcast network. Hazel Bryan's not with us anymore, but Katrina Chen is our production coordinator. Welcome to the team. Katrina, great job today. Ian Brannon is our editor. Our legal intern is Greg Fingerhut. Our theme music is by Simon Tafik, and some music in this episode was composed by Chris Olson. Thank you to the biomes. <laughs> we'll see you next time, guys. Why? <laughs>